Wow, what a huge honor to be back once again with people that I love. I don't, I don't just like you. I love you. You know, and, and that's not just Christian love like I have to. That's like I really do love being here. I love your pastors. I love the leadership. I love the heart. There's just so much uh, that God is doing in this house. I, I, uh, I'm excited about the student conference, and we'll get to that in a second. But, man, I am blown away by this sportsplex that you just built down the road. Come on, isn't God good? That's amazing. All for the sake of getting people to come to church and encounter God. You know, uh, uh, I know a lot of you uh, are new, and still there's some that I've got. A, I'm looking around. I got a lot of friends in the room, but I got a lot of new friends. Let me just tell you my story for those of you that haven't heard it. I'm originally from El Paso, Texas. Come on, anybody know where the 915 is? That's right. All the caramel people in this room know where that's at, right? And so uh, I, I, you don't go to El Paso except for two things, right? You go to visit family or to do something illegal. That's the only reason you're in El Paso. There, nobody vacations in El Paso, okay? And so it wasn't long before I found myself, by the age of 12, I had a drug problem, a lust issue, and an anger issue, but I love to play basketball. Anybody love to hoop in here? Come on. Yeah, at one, maybe at one point in your life you did. And so I, uh, I remember... Uh, I would, I love to go to this one church. They had a nice gym, just like you have this nice sportsplex. And I would go in and I would play and the youth pastor uh, would notice that every time he'd tell the students, hey, come into the gym, uh, uh, I would leave. I would dip and leave and find somewhere else to play. Uh, but he got involved in my life and he said, hey, do you want to go to church camp? Honest to God, I said, is there going to be hot girls there? Because I'm, I'm not going to waste my time. I'm invested wisely. And he said... He, I said, there's going to be hot girls there. And he's like, well, we're going to go for Jesus. I said, fine, you can go for Jesus. I'm going to get some phone numbers. Hey, I'm going to camp. <laughs> what I didn't realize is on the first night of that camp, I got saved. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I got called into ministry all in one night. It was a game-changing night for me. So let me just pause right here. I know how crucial, let me say it, vital a student conference is and how an encounter with God can set you on a course that you never thought would be possible. Parents, let me tell you, if you got vacation plans, cancel them, move them, find another time because this is gonna be so important that your students are there. I'm not saying that because I'm speaking. I know the two other men that are speaking there, quality men and the heart behind the team, Pastor Jonathan, Pastor Tito, all of them, they're just amazing men and women who are leading and believing for your student to encounter God. God, please make every effort to get them there. E even sponsor kids, because we have parents that possibly couldn't make uh, a way financially. Sponsor kids to be there. We want every student. Wouldn't it be nice to have 13-year-olds prophesying and 14-year-olds living holy and 15-year-olds healing the sick and 16-year-olds leading their whole high school to Jesus? Those are the days we're living in, and it's moments like this that really where we create time and space for God to invade their world. I got saved at a, at a youth camp, and I remember... Uh, I, I, from then on, I knew I was called uh, uh, to ministry, so I went to Bible college. After I was done there, I, I went into sales for uh, internet sales for like Rolls Royce and Maserati and Bentley. And so by the age of 21 and 22, my wife and I made financial goals that most people retire at. Come on, that's a good place to say amen. I'm just going to tell you right now. But it don't matter how wealthy you are, if you're not in the will of God, you will be miserable. And I remember God said, hey, sell everything you have, give away the rest, and moved to Sri Lanka in the middle of a civil war. And I can remember mortar shells blowing up down from my house. I remember suicide bombers bombing the hotels we would stay in. But in the middle of all this chaos, God was still raising up his church and we were seeing daily salvation, signs, wonders, healings, miracles. It was incredible. 
came back, took over youth ministry. And what I believe is happening here at Westover Students happened for us back then. We saw a sweeping revival come through and we were watching literally kids who were healing the sick, kids shutting down classrooms because of the power of God came in. I, I literally watched a kid cast demons out of her friend and order for McDonald's at the same time. At the same, that's what I love about this generation. It's a multitasking generation. We're gonna have revival and dinner all at the same time. <laughs> it's great. I then went on and I would oversee Christ for the Nations Institute uh, in Dallas uh, for the last, let's say, 10 years. And I just recently made a move, my wife and my four kids, we moved to California literally three weeks ago to oversee Missions Me uh, College. And if you don't know what Missions Me, what we're doing, not only are we known for the school, but really our historic campaigns where we go into a country and for two years we work with the government, we work with the education system, we work with the medicine uh, and all the medical professionals. We work with every sphere of society, including the church. And in the church especially, I just got off a plane yesterday at three in the morning. Uh, I flew out from Peru uh, at three in the morning yesterday. And I was watching 3,000 pastors from one region come and begin to repent to one another for being competitive and territorial and unity came in that room. How many of you know the Bible says God commands his blessing on those that dwell together in unity? Come on. We are in the day where nations are going to be changed in one day. And so I went to another region, saw 2,200 pastors. It was incredible to watch what God is doing. And can I just say this again? All this started was for me being at a student conference. The fact that I get to do what I'm doing right now, that began because I had a youth pastor and a parent who somehow, I don't know how she did it, but my mom was able to send me to camp. I'm sure somebody paid for it. And so sent me to camp and I'm doing what I'm doing today because I was a student conference. Parents, please sign your students up. And students, let me tell you, we, I'm telling you, it's going to be hype and you don't want to miss it. All right. I, I got a, but I got a fresh word. Come on. How many, how many want a good word or how many want a message that will change your life? I can tell you what the difference maker is, is if you respond back to the word, are you with me? How, how many, you know, the word of God deserves a response. We, I love playing on my home turf because I had the most crowd support. The Word of God deserves the most crowd support. Come on, let's give the Word of God home field advantage this morning. Can we do that? Can you talk to me? Say, come on, somebody. Say, come on, somebody. I don't know, just whatever. I've said that the last three services. I'm not even sure that makes sense. All right, y'all ready to go? Are you ready for the Word? All right, turn on your Bible and go to, yes, I know what generation we're in. Turn it on. Turn on your Bible. Keep your Bible charged. And go to Joshua chapter 5, Joshua the 5th chapter. While you're turning there, let me go ahead and give you some background because we're going to end up in the middle of a situation. You know, 40 years before what we're about to read, the children of Israel were given this order to go into the promised land and take it. Moses sends 12 spies before they go or about to go in to spy out the land. And 10 out of the 12 come back completely panicked and say, we can't take it. Only two, two out of the 12 come back and say, let's go now. Right? These, pe these people are warriors. You know what I'm saying? Let's take it now, today. And they come back, but the 10 had given such a strong negative report that it polluted the faith of the entire country. And they said, we're not going. There's no way we're not going. And so now the children of Israel, after this happens, wait, have to wait 40 years because fear, doubt, and unbelief has plagued them until a new generation has come. And now what we're going to read in Joshua chapter 5, Joshua is now leading 
And Joshua comes in and it's, God gives him the same command. Go into the promised land and I want you to take it. Joshua walks, begins to walk into the promised land and he has this encounter right here. Let's read Joshua chapter 5 verse 13. It says, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. Everybody say, by Jericho. Come on, church, where was he by? Jericho. I want you to remember that. By Jericho, because we'll come back to that. It says, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or for our adversaries? Look up at me. I have to make a comment here. This is interesting. I, I promise you, Joshua's from the hood. Because Joshua sees an unknown person with his sword drawn, and Joshua just runs up to this guy and says, are you for us or are you for our enemies? In other words, you want these hands? You want these hands? You feeling froggy? Make me jump. <laughs> Joshua is ready to fight. Can you hear it? Can you hear it in the scriptures? Why would Joshua be so full of fight? If you remember that there was two spies, Joshua is one of those two. It's Joshua and Caleb. And for 40 years, Joshua has been convinced we could be taking that city right now. We, for 40 years, he had to look across the door and say, that should be mine, that we should be there. For 40 years, you understand this? For 40 years, Joshua was pregnant with a promise he couldn't deliver. He was pregnant with a delivery uh, that he, I'm sorry, with a victory he couldn't deliver. I believe there's people in this room that it's time to dust off the promises of God over your life. And the times and the seasons where you have just wasted precious time, God is going to bring those moments right back around for us. Can I tell you, the delays are done. The excuse making is over and it is time to move in to the promised land of God over your life. Come on, how many of you believe that today? <laughs> Keep reading, it gets even better. Verse 14, so, so he, this is Jesus said, no, I, I love this. Sometimes I feel like Jesus might have like spiritual ADD. Because Joshua says, are you for us or for our adversaries? And God's like, no. <laughs> it's not even answer the question. He says, no. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I've now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth in worship and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals, uh, of, take your sandals off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I want you to remember that. He's by Jericho, and the place where he's standing is holy ground. Follow along with me into the next chapter, verse 1. It says, Now Jericho was completely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand, its king and even all of its mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you're going to do six days. And seven priests will carry seven trumpets of ram's horns and carry it before the ark. But on the seventh day, you're going to march around the city seven times and the priests will blow the trumpets and it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of that trumpet, that all the people will shout with a great shout and the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people will go up every man before him. Jump down to verse 21. They walk around six days one time with seven priests, seven trumpets, right? But this is the seventh day. Can I just, I feel that right now. This is the seventh day for people in this room. You've been walking around walls way too long. You've been impressed with giants, with opposition. You've been overwhelmed. Today's your seventh day. I just feel that right now. Look at verse 21. It says, so the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. The people shouted with a great shout. And the wall fell down flat. 
Then the people went into the city, every man straight before him, and took the city, and the other destroyed all that was in the city. Church, let's pray together this morning. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to flood every heart, lift every veil, get behind every pain, every lie, every locked door. Father, I speak to this atmosphere, and I say you are full of faith, you are full of hope, you are full of peace, you are full of joy, you are full of freedom, and I come against every limit, every restriction, every barrier, every lie, every demonic harassment, and I break it right now in Jesus' name. And I call every man and every woman into their season. I call them into their victory. I call them into their greatness and into their identity, God. And no longer are we going to be satisfied with mediocre moves of God and weak anointing, God. Lord, these are the days where we're going to have a historic outpouring of the Holy Spirit that transforms not just the church, but it transforms governments, cities, nations, people, even those who have never heard the name of Jesus will fall madly in love with him, God. And that you would use people at Westover Hills to do it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone shout it. Amen, amen, amen. I'm calling this message, finish the fight. Because I believe that's the season we're in. It's time to finish the fight. I don't know about you, but I feel like my life is one big ambush. It's full of unexpectedness. I didn't know that, I, like Monday I was in Australia. I was telling Pastor Denise this. Monday I was in Australia. Wednesday I was in Peru. Yesterday I had to go through El Salvador and I came here to San Antonio. I didn't know my week was going to look like that about two months ago. I think our lives are, have you ever had the unexpected happen in your life? Let's talk about the last time you got pregnant. That was number four for us. That one trip to Brazil, that's all that took. That was, that was a nice surprise. And he's a beautiful boy today. Have you ever had the unexpected happen to you? I remember one time uh, I was getting ready to go camping on the camping hunting trip. And uh, I was at a Walmart getting this last minute food, right? And I'm putting, we've got tons of, like, food, when I say food, you got to understand these are two grown men uh, uh, shopping. So we're not getting greens and flax oil and oregano and, and, and cherry tomatoes. This is like meat and, and, and more meat and steak and more meat and chicken. You understand what I'm telling you? This is not chick food, okay? So it's full of just what men would eat. It's packed, right? And I'm, I'm answering every email I can because I know I'm going to lose service and I don't want to, I don't want to be bothered when, I, when I'm on this trip. And my friend taps me on the street and says, you know what? We should get some sunflower seeds. I'm like, let's get some sunflower seeds. So he says, let me go grab it. So he goes and he grabs a bag, probably around over here, right? He grabs this bag and listen, you have that one friend that always gets you in trouble, right? If you're not laughing, you're probably that friend. You're like, I don't, I don't, what are you talking about? I'm never in trouble. They're always in trouble, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I promise you, I am surrounded, and this guy's a pastor. I'm pretty sure he's barely saved. Like, barely, like there's a question mark. I'm sure he's barely saved, all right? And he decides, I'm gonna take this bag of sunflower seeds and I'm going to throw it into the cart. So I'm sitting there, I have my focus, I have my phone, I'm answering emails like this, right? And I see this white bag, boom, come over my shoulder and it smacks this, the largest woman I have ever seen in my life. This was Goliath's sister. I mean, it just smacked, boom, right in the bottom. I'm telling you, to which she turns around and goes, excuse me, who do you think you are touching all this good stuff right here? I didn't give you permission to touch my goodies. Have you lost your mind? Boy, have you lost your mind? I'm gonna help you find it. Hold my purse, girl. That's exactly how that went. I'm standing there like this. 
What do I see my friend doing? He is walking out of the Walmart, didn't even come to help. Very pastoral. Have you ever had the, the unanticipated happen in your life? I mean, have you, you, you know, and we hate the uncertainty. We, we hate the unexpectedness, but the truth is, this, have you noticed this is what the lifestyle of faith looks like? You probably don't know today, but you may be on a mission trip this year and you don't know about it yet. God could drop a desire in your heart. The kingdom builder's fun. God could say, I want you to do what pastor's doing and give a tenth above the tithe into kingdoms. God can move like that. And I, can I tell you, I believe that we should never have a predictable faith. I don't want a predictable prayer life. I don't want a predictable lifestyle. I don't want a predictable worship. I want to be a Holy Ghost ambush everywhere I go. When I walk into the mall, the kingdom of God is coming with me. When I go to eat at a restaurant, a waiter's gonna get healed. When I go to the gas station, the one across from me, they're gonna encounter God. I want to be an ambush of the Holy Spirit. Anybody else? And I think many times we have allowed what is unexpected to dictate our life. It almost like it dries up the fight in us and takes the fight out of us. But I believe this is a scene we have to finish the fight. And if we're going to do that, let me give you three things. Number one, to finish the fight. Number one, where is he calling you to stand? Where is God calling you to stand? I had a student of mine. He was driving one day and uh, the spirit of God came up in his car. And God said, son, I want you to go to this grocery store. I want you to go to this aisle. And I want you to, watch this, I want you to go stand in front of the Cheerios. It's a cereal aisle. I want you to go stand in front of the Cheerios. There's going to be a man dressed in all black and he needs his back healed. And then after that, I, he's going to, I, I'm going to, I want you to give the invitation and, and, and win him over to me. So Chris, it's a good strong name. Chris dri- turns around and, and drives over to the grocery store. Goes to that aisle, the cereal aisle. Goes to where the Cheerios are, doesn't see anybody. So he says, you know what God told me? I'm going to wait. Very smart. He waits, comes back a second time, looks down the aisle, nobody's at the aisle. No problem. He waits, goes back a third time and sees a massive man. This is a dude, he's dressed in all black. We're talking like Harley Davidson shoes, black leather pants, and a black leather vest. This is the, like no shirt under. Okay, so, and this dude had a hairy, it looked like a forest. I mean, like, if you would have, it would have been like, like a field of wheat, just blowing like, like that, like a bunch of spiders having a meeting on the top of his chest. That's how, I mean, he was just hairy. Something's lost. I'm sure there's a body in there. And this guy's huge. I mean, big, jack, stack, cut like me. So he's standing by these Cheerios, and Chris comes over, and he stands by him. And, and he doesn't know how to begin this conversation. So he's like, he's, he's, he just starts and goes, you like Cheerios, huh? And the guy's like, uh, and he's like, yeah, me too. And then he says, fine. He puts the box down. He goes, sir, listen, my name's Chris. God spoke to me. He told me to come to this grocery store in this aisle. Someone standing by the Cheerios who would be dressed in all black. He didn't tell me how big you would be, but he told me you'd be in all black. And, and he told me that you needed healing in your back. Is that right? And this guy goes, who told you that? Who said that to you? And Chris is like, you know, 65 pounds soaking wet. He's like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is the one that told me to, you know. And I think Chris was like 15 at the time. It's like, Jesus is the one that told me. And, and, and he says, can I pray for you? This guy's like, sure. So he prays, very simple but powerful. Father, in the name of Jesus, I command this back to be healed. I command all the pain to leave, no more discomfort. Be healed now in Jesus' name. And this guy, after he says in Jesus' name, this guy goes, ooh. And Chris, he's like, what happened? And Chris is like, test it, see if you can do something. So this guy's like, okay. <laughs> and that's all he does. He keeps going, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. And God totally heals his back in this store. 
Now get this, Chris, Chris says, now, sir, have you ever given your life to Jesus? And this guy kind of hung his head and he said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can you tell me why I was driving on my motorcycle and a voice told me to go to this grocery store, stand in this aisle in front of the Cheerios that my back would be healed? Can you tell me why? And Chris, now he's got a little confidence. He's like, well, have you ever given your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? And he starts preaching Jesus. This guy doesn't just get healed. This guy gets saved. And he's still, he's actually an usher in this church to this day. Now, why would that happen? Because somebody knew where they were supposed to stand. Where is God calling you to stand in 2019? Where is he calling? And I'm not just talking about in physical areas. I'm talking about spiritually. I, I know a lot of people can make a stand on Twitter. My goodness, we have so many Facebook prophets and Twitter apostles now. It's incredible. I, I didn't even know that. They got their degrees in the mail probably. <laughs> I have so many people. That, can, I, can I tell you? I, I, I don't want to know where you stand on, on, on your Twitter. and on your. I want to know that God can count on you to meet with him in the prayer closet and begin to solve, solve issues on your face and on your knees and begin to pray and worship and tear down strongholds and get rid of lies. I want to know where are you supposed to stand in prayer this year? Where are you supposed to stand in service? Where are you supposed to, and I'm not talking about church service, I'm talking about serving your church, serving in the local community, serving the neighborhood you live in. Where are you supposed to stand with your family? Could you lead them better? Could you clarify what's true and untrue? What's godly and ungodly? Could you be able to disciple them better and speak more life into them and begin to host a, a, a home where the presence of God loves to dwell? Where is God calling you to stand? It's interesting, didn't it not say, remember I told you? It says, and, jo and Joshua was by Jericho. You know that's a mistranslation. It should actually say, Joshua was in Jericho. Now this is interesting. He's in Jericho, right? And then the Lord says to him, take off your sandals for the place where you stand is holy ground. To Joshua's mindset, Jericho has always been enemy territory, but now it's holy ground. What took it from enemy territory to holy ground? Joshua was standing in it. Can I tell you where you stand, God is with you. God is for you and God will speak through you. And it don't matter where you're at, in a crack house or the White House, wherever you stand is holy ground because the Spirit of God is gonna come on you. And I'm telling you, your living room where you've had the most ugliest fights in your kitchen, where you've had the most severe disagreements, it's holy ground now. Your job is holy ground now. The school you go to is holy ground now. The people that live next to you, they don't realize it, but the Spirit of God is living in your home and is on your life. It is holy ground. Where are the people at who said, I'll take off my shoes. I'll take off the physical man. I'll take off all the limitations. I'll take off all the things. A place where I want to stand, whether it's enemy territory or not, is holy ground. I, 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 I think it's time, honestly, I, I think it's time where we, we can go ahead and be okay with going in places that, we have been told, maybe as a believer, maybe as someone who has so spoken against us, we've thought, this is off limits. I can't talk about that. I can't stand for that. This is rest restricted. You know, you remember Gideon. My goodness, Gideon, you talk somebody who, who probably needed therapy after all God did with him. Gideon literally has an army, which is a miracle in itself, has 32,000, right? Talking about where to stand. Has 32,000 men show up. God comes to Gideon and says, hey, you have too many. Like, what other general of an army says, no, nah, we got too many. I, I've never heard of any general, colonel, captain, 
leader of an army say, we got too many, it's going to be a complete slaughter, we're going to kill them all, no, let's, let's send some home. Never heard that. But God's like, yeah, we've got too many. There's no way, 32,000. So, so 22,000 go home, leaves them 10,000. God's like, yeah, still too many. God would be working on my nerves at this point right here, right? Because his enemy can't even be counted, by the way. It literally says that in uh, Judges chapter six, that his enemy was too many to count. So God's like, no, it's still too many. So now he's left with 300 and God's like, perfect. God does math a lot differently than we do. He also looks at enemy territory a lot differently than we do. He says, with this 300, I'll give you victory. So no doubt, Gideon's in the fetal position in his tent. You know, oh my gosh, we're going to die. We're fitting to die. We're fitting to die. God comes to him that night in the tent and he says, hey, Gideon, you scared? Gideon, you scared? Gideon, you scared? You scared? Gideon's like, I'm scared. I'm so scared right now. I'm scared. And God, and God says, all right, Gideon, if you're scared, go to the enemy's camp and I'll speak to you there. Hold on, you want me to do what? You, no, no, they're trying to kill us. And you want me just to go stroll over there? God, no, go there. I'll meet you. And God's excited about it. Oh, I'm going to meet you there. <laughs> right? Gideon doesn't go alone. takes a servant, Pura. He's walking through the army. He overhears in a tent gathered with a bunch of men. This dream has spread through the, the entire enemy's camp. The dream is this, that a loaf of barley bread is coming down the hill, and it's going to completely annihilate all the tents that is in their camp. And someone interprets it and says that can only be one thing. Gideon and the, and the Spirit of God is going to come off that mountain and they're going to crush us. It says fear started to spread throughout the enemy's camp. Doubt started to spread throughout the enemy. Insecurity started to spread throughout the enemy's camp. Yet the Bible says this about Gideon. It says, and Gideon got encouraged in the enemy's camp. Gideon is getting courage in the enemy's camp. You know, I, I believe there, there's a certain level of courage that comes on the other side of a risk. And that only happens if you know where to stand. If you're like Joshua, you're in Jericho. If you're like Gideon, you're in the enemy's camp. If you're like today, you're standing with God in truth. You're standing with God in, in character and integrity because I believe it's time to finish the fight. And I believe that your marriages deserve it. Your families deserve it. Your communities deserve it. Wouldn't it what would it be like if people started coming to San Antonio, not just for the Spurs, not just for Shamu, but they came because the Spirit of God was so strong on a city that all of a sudden they would come walk by and the and cancer would fall off their body and they would get saved even I, would it be like to watch 20-year heroin addictions fall off people's life it's time to finish this fight this is the second thing about finishing the fight number two is God always finishes what he starts he finishes what he starts I, I said this last night I didn't say it in the first service but you get a little extra in the second um, you know when we bought our home uh, in, in Texas, the first week, I kid you not, Pastor, the first week, we started having occultic symbols left on our, on our doorstep. Nobody knew we were there. Our family didn't even know our address. The pizza guy didn't even know where to deliver pizza. Yet some Satanist knows. Started leaving symbols, and I don't, you know, I don't want to be gruesome, but things. And, and I, 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 I remember, I, it didn't scare us. I was so proud, even of my children, Every time they would see that, my, I remember my daughter, Jazz, she's like, well, it's time to worship, I'll tell you that. I mean, she was just so dead on with it. Then I'm in Wisconsin the, the, a couple weeks later, and a man approaches me after the service, and he says, can I tell you something? He says, uh, you know, I used to be, uh, uh, he said, D have you had some occultic issues? And I said, actually, just recently. He said, well, 
He said, I used to be in the state prison. And I'm like, well, this is going to be great. <laughs> and he said, uh, he said, I used to be in the state pen. He said, I actually started the first satanic gang in Wisconsin in the state prison. He said, but a preacher came in and I was there to cast spells and all that kind of stuff. He said, but in that service, I ended up getting saved and giving my life to Jesus. I know, right? And so this guy, he says, you know, can I tell you something? What always frustrated me about, uh, and he ended up getting early released, by the way, and getting out. And now he's a, a, a pastor there um, on staff at a church. And he, he comes and says, you know what always frustrated us about Christians and what we, about your God is that we could never finish what we started but Christians always were able to finish what they started. Why? Because our God is a finisher. That's why it says he is faithful to complete the things that he starts. It even says, watch this, he is the, the author and the finisher of our faith. It's why on the cross Jesus said, it is finished. Why is that? Because God always finishes what he starts. If the promise was given 40 years before, it's still fresh today. If the promise was given and they missed it, God can bring that moment right back around in our world today. I don't care what happened with your mom and your dad. I care about what's happening with you. I don't care how you mishandled a moment last year. I care about what you're going to do with it this year. God will finish what he starts. He makes good on his promises because he's a good God. He's faithful. I love watching this. I, it, it happened in Joshua 6. They literally are walking around the wall for the first six days. I always thought they walked around the wall and they might have been complaining. Joshua, Jojo, right? I can't believe Jojo got us out here walking around, looking dumb. We ain't got no swords. We ain't got no spears. He wanted us to bring just seven trumpets with these seven priests out here in the ark of God. I can't believe this. Shouldn't we be like throwing down the wall? Or shouldn't we be like middle earth in this thing and blowing up the two towers? Up? You know, shouldn't we be doing something? I don't believe that. That's how I first started reading it. I believe during those first days, there was such an anticipation. I believe God's going to give us this part. You know what? In fact, I believe God's going to give us that. He's got, that's my house over there. You see that little hut? That belongs to me right there. You know what? There was such an expectation building for six days that when they got to that seventh, there was such a shout. That wasn't a shout of cheering. That was a shout of an anticipation. We have already won this. That is ours. We have a 40-year-old promise, and God is a dedicated God. He is, his arm is never short. His promises are as good as a yes and an amen out of our own mouth today. And then all of a sudden, the shout comes out. I believe that they were the first set of spies, especially those 10, went in 40 years before, and they were so impressed with the walls. And they were overwhelmed with giants that it stole the courage that God had given them to believe for a, for a shout, for a victory, to have the promised land. But not with Joshua. Joshua, it's interesting, Joshua follows God's plan. He knows it's not military in nature, but it's God's plan. Can I tell you something? Don't be surprised if God changes the strategy. You thought you were going for accounting and God's sending you on the mission field. You grew up doing engineering and then you're wondering why God's putting orphanages in your heart. You thought, man, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be in counseling and God's saying, no, you're going you're gonna to pastor. Or maybe you just thought, man, I'm just a stay-at-home mom and God's saying, no, you're a discipler. And one day that boy or that girl is going to be the next president of the United States. And we need you to pour as much as you can into their life. Are, are you with me? God always, always finishes what he starts. And number three, if we're going to finish the fight, number three. This is huge. It's time to shout. It's time to shout. I, 
I, first off, I just, I just don't do quiet church. I told you that. But I don't do a quiet lifestyle either. I, I, I live in California. <laughs> pray for me. Because I'm from Texas. No, pray for me. <laughs> it's, listen, we're, we're so privileged to be in this great state. This is like a Christian hub. Man, when you get out there and you start ending up in the jungles of Peru, or you start ending up around some of the mosques in the Middle East, you understand everywhere you go is holy ground. And there's a shout on the inside of you. There's a shout in me for Peru. There's a shout in me for California. There's a shout in me for you this morning. It's interesting. Walls should not intimidate us. You know what all the walls did for the Israelites was activate them. You know, remember Goliath, talking about walls and giants and opposition. You know what Goliath's name, the famous story, Goliath and David and Goliath, right? What was, what's interesting about Goliath's name, his name actually means to reveal. Goliath is taunting the armies of Israel for 39 days. He's literally talking trash to God's army for 39 days. And nobody steps up. On the 40th day, David shows up. And David's the only one that talks back. Oh, your God's dead. He's not a living God. Send out your best fighter. If I kill him, the, Phil, uh, uh, the Israelites have to serve the Philistines. But if he, if he kills me, the Philistines serve the Israelites. But your God's dead. He's not a living God. And David hears this and he's like, what? Say it again. Say something else. Say it again. You remember this? And, and they have to pull David back and be like, hey, David, listen. listen that's a giant over there, okay? You're new, okay? That's a giant. He said, did you hear what he said about God? There's a shout. Did you hear what he said about God? Yeah. Yeah, even the king has said, whoever kills that giant doesn't have to pay any taxes anymore and gets a, one of his daughters as a wife. And David's like, wait, wait, what did he say? What did he say? Say it again. Read the story. He asked him to repeat it twice. The guy's like, listen, David, if you kill that giant over there, you get some money and a honey if you kill that giant right over there. Read the story. That's the Chris Estrada version right there. But, and he goes and kills this giant. What Goliath's name literally did, Goliath didn't realize it, but it means to reveal. What he did was reveal the true king of Israel. I wonder what your walls are going to say about you. Come on, who am I talking to this morning who needs a giant to show up so I can say something, so I can have a shout in my spirit, so I can get my volume turned up because I'm not embarrassed of my shout. Can I tell you, I'm not embarrassed because I'm not okay with corruption in world governments anymore. I'm not okay with laws being passed on unborn babies that are unjust and unfair. I'm not okay. I'm not okay with school shootings happening, not just for the kids that are being uh, massacred, but that one student who thinks the only way to go out in this world is to take someone else's life. I'm not okay. I'm not okay with the first exposure to pornography being age six in most houses. I'm not okay with 12-year-olds being pregnant, and that's an average age now. I'm not okay with the divorce rate being 77% in the church. I'm not okay. I know, no, I know people in this room are shaking their heads because I feel a shout rising in this room. I'm not, listen, I'm not okay with cancer coming on your body. I'm not okay with you living in poverty. I'm a, I love prosperity. I preach prosperity, but I want prosperity with a purpose. I want it to advance the kingdom of God and better everyone's life around that person. But I'm not okay with the poverty level in America the way that it is. I am not okay with watching women be abused like they were nothing. I'm not okay with that. 
And it's time for us to have a shout about some injustices that are happening in our world. Because friend, I'm telling you, it's time to finish this fight. And it's not just for the United States, it's for every nation around the world. I'm not okay with weak anointing in churches anymore. I'm not okay with watered down messages anymore. I want a historic outpouring of the Holy Spirit that just invades a nation and everyone is everyone just gets touched. I believe we're living in some great days, but we have to finish this fight. You've been in a series called uh, about your yes. The only thing that gives your yes meaning is your action. It's easy. Look, can I tell you? It's easy to say yes right now. It's easy to be excited about right now. I want to know that we're excited on Tuesday. I want to know on Thursday that I'm still finishing the fight. I want to know in opposition, in stress, in fear, maybe even in doubt where those things are trying to come on me, I want to know that I'm fighting them. Would you stand up with me? I feel such a strength in this room this, this morning. I feel like there's so many in this room who want a move of God like never before. I just feel this right now. I feel like there's some, this, there's young people in this room who are like, man, this generation, I feel like they want me to be so religious and so traditional. No, the truth is they want you to walk with such a reverence towards God. You know why? Because there's some people in here who remember when abortion was illegal. They remember of the days of prohibition. They remember when drugs weren't plaguing our streets like they were. And what they're really saying when they ask you those things, what they're really saying is, please give me my nation back. Please give me those schools back. Please give me those moments back. It's time to finish the fight, church. The truth is, you can't finish this fight unless you start it. And the only way you start this fight, honestly, the only way you have a strength for a shout is to surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If you're in this room, every head bowed, please, and every eye closed for a moment of reflection and privacy, but an honest decision. If you say, Pastor Chris, you're speaking right to me. And I, I, I'm not okay with being broken. I, I'm tired of being depressed and anxious. I'm tired of the addictions, the abuse. I'm tired of the mental torment, the emotional gaps in my heart. I'm tired of it. There's one person who can wipe that all away. I'm all for therapy. I'm all for medicine. But no, listen to me. No amount of medicine, therapy, prescriptions can do what the Word of God can do in your life. I'm sorry, it just cannot. You need to surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. No more games. Stop pretending to be further along than you really are. It's time for a true commitment to God. If you're in this building, every head bowed, every eye closed, please. If you say, Pastor Chris, you're speaking right to me. I want to give my life to Jesus for the first time today. If that's you, would you put your arm high enough so that I could see it, please? Who am I talking to? Wow. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My goodness. Look at all these hands. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Please don't put your hand down. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I see you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. My goodness, hands all over the room. You can take that hand down and put it, you can take your hand and put it down. Church, listen, I don't want you to be 
go into this naively. The Bible is very clear. There's nothing special about the prayer we're going to pray together right now. The truth is what's special is the meaning in your heart. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, but believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, not Savior, Lord. He is ruler and authority of your life. When He's Lord, when He's in the control booth of everything in your life, it says you will be saved. I believe there's many hands that went up with that with that intention. And church, I don't believe they should pray alone. We're a family. Let's do it together as a family. Let's pray. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I thank you that you died for me, that you rose again, and that you're alive today. I thank you that you are going to fight in me and for me. I want to start finishing the fight. I give you my entire life. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we lift up a shout in this building for the souls? Yeah! Jesus. I I have about another two, three minutes. Hear me. I want to... If you need a miracle in your body or you need a breakthrough, I just want to pray for this. I didn't get a chance to do it in the nine o'clock, but I want to do this right now because I feel like there's some hunger in this room that's so unique and special. This is an atmosphere of miracles. God can do a miracle right now. I don't know if it's leukemia. I don't know if it's back taxes. I don't know if it's divorce court. I, I don't know if there's a sentence coming. I don't know what it is, but I know we serve a God who will finish the fight because he's a God of miracles and he's looking out of heaven saying, who can I bring in to produce something through? Father, I break cancer right now in Jesus' name. If you need a miracle, come on, let's pray. Let, lift your hand. If you need a miracle, Father, I come against, I cancel, I, I cancel sicknesses and diseases, asthma, blurred vision, foggy clarity of, of remembrance and memory. Father, I call uh, breathing issues to be healed. I call heart murmurs to stop, irregular heartbeats to be fixed now in Jesus' name. I call mental torment, stop now in Jesus' name. I break every addiction. I break every lie. I come against every army that would form against you. And I declare that you are healed and that you are whole and that you're set apart, that you're blessed 